Hello, and welcome to The Quest Begins. My name's Jason, and I'm here with Jared and Michael. And today we're going to talk D&D. Let's get into it. Hello again. Welcome back for another Quest Begins. Unfortunately, we will have to make this the last one as we are ready to move on to different things. What that means exactly, I don't know. Michael, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't look at Michael. He is literally the only one who didn't make us restart this recording. <laughs> Shh, shut up. We are ah. professionals, I said. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, we're going to go out on a note of, I guess... <laughs> I don't want to say ripping into D&D, but we may rip into 5e a little bit. Um, but we'll probably try and rectify it uh, as we go through it and find ways that we would do touch system. sour. What would you say, Jared? We're just going to be touch sour. God, I can't speak suddenly. <laughs> it's all those nerves of being on air. This is going to be a good show, I can tell already. <laughs> Audience, I apologize for Michael's behavior. Um. Anyway, so yeah. Um. I mean, this is a topic we just came up with uh, spitballing just before the show. Um, and we're kind of discussing. Um. I guess really what kicked it off is is an idea to run a game in a city setting, um, where you really just kind of set up into that city where you're going to stay there, which we talked about in our previous episode. Um, but we, it led us into a discussion of, you know, not entirely working as a party and sort of how D and D five E specifically, um, doesn't have a whole lot of setups, um, for party mechanics, even though it very much is a party game. Like, Anyone who's familiar with D&D is going to tell you that it's a party game. You know, I mean, there's Don't Split the Party is like on memes everywhere. So um, we kind of wanted to delve into why 5e doesn't really have those set up. And, you know, is there something you could do if you wanted to add party mechanics or if you want to go down an avenue of not exactly having a party? Jared. Um, how, how about we kick things off by addressing the one party action I can think of after the 30 minutes or so that we've given this to kind of stew. And that is the help action. Which is literally just a thing that takes your action and then you can vaguely describe how you're giving advantage to another person. That is that is That's definitely it. a bare bones definition of it. No, can you offhand remember more of the definition? No, of that's it? that's kind of our point, is that we have bare yeah, bones definitions of the mechanics that exist in Five E that encourage the team working together. Uh, parties are told to stay together, but that's because. When they get split off, the encounters that have been created by the GM usually are based off of everybody working together. They do their encounter math 
Maddox and they find out, okay, so I've got five players and I have to have this many CR rating uh, to challenge them so that they can have a challenging encounter. Well, when one player goes in and says, I'm going to go check out this alleyway, everything's screwed up at that moment. That's why that that's, that phrase is used. Don't split up the party. But really, what is keeping the party together other than that, mechanics-wise? I mean, narrative and story, yeah, we, we love that. But what in D&D 5e is actually holding them together? Well, and that's something I, I, that you reminded me that I didn't bring up in the intro to this, is that, you know, while there are some that I can think of, you know, bardic inspiration or, or blessing your, your people around you, like, but those are very set up to be combat mechanics that are to help the team work better in combat. But there's not a whole lot narratively set up to help jared i'd also say that those are very self-focused even though you're supposed to be helping somebody else those actions inherently make it about your character which is acceptable but it's not really i guess the meat of what i was trying to get to which is we really want or i really want more of a a mechanical incentive or direction that will help build story by interacting with people without shoving your character into the spotlight. A bardic inspiration, we've seen it happen, and it's a wonderful story-driving mechanic. I actually am glad you mentioned it because it does exactly all the things I just said. But then we lead into the problem of everyone at the table kind of giving a gentle ribbing or whatnot to the warrior who only hit because of the bardic inspiration or or everyone heralding the bard for that action instead it doesn't really put people together so much as hold up the person doing the action if i if i got my point across yeah i mean yeah i i i kind of get what you're saying um I don't feel like you did, Michael. <laughs> I appreciate the, uh, the the softening the blow to my ego, Jason. Let go Lego. of his ego. <laughs> <laughs> Lego of my ego. <laughs> I think what we're we're getting at is we have played other games that encourage the mechanic to help hold the party together or give them purpose together. Um, you think about Powered by the Apocalypse. Part of the character creation system is to encourage these ties between the players and their characters. And that really encourages them to work together. And it really kind of bonds them. We talk about Blades in the Dark or, or Five Aces. You are running in a crew or a team. You have a, a mechanics that help as a group. And really, I think something that's really important in that game is that the players' abilities often help the group as well. They're not too self-centered. It's, it's something that I feel is kind of missing from 5e as far as a mechanic. And, you know, we've talked a lot about on this topic is 
how would we work within the mechanics to make a narrative or, or play a, a shared narrative style like we enjoy to play? It's really hard to look for a mechanic to do that, so we have to look outside the mechanics. And when you're looking outside the mechanics, what really is it that you're the point of playing that game? Um, because that's really what D&D is supposed to be, or Five Aces or Blades in the Dark. There are mechanics that help whatever you're trying to tell. But if you take the mechanics away, I mean, you're just telling a, a good story around the campfire. And what's the point of having 5e if you're going to, you know, eliminate everything? Well, does that make you, sense? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. What more than mine did. What you made me think of is like, okay, if you ask if you ask anyone in Plains in the Dark, it's like, why is this group of player characters together? Right? They're going to tell you they're in a crew. Right? Everybody knows they're in a crew together. That's the game. If you ask everybody why they're together in a D&D group, it's going to be a bunch of varied answers based on the campaign because there's no setup for why they're together as a party why they exist and there's also no real mechanics that establish that there's no um there's no establishment of that in character creation and so i think and a lot of people might say that it's it leaves it open for you to create that as the DM, like you get the, uh, the openness of being able to decide, you know, how these people come together. But I think even if, if there is material out there, which I'm sure there is helping DMS get to that point, it shouldn't be in a supplement. It should be in the core material. Like, that should be in the player's handbook and the Dungeon Master's Guide. All of that should be right up front as to why they're together as a party. So that it's not an afterthought. Go ahead, Jared. I think I realized why this sounds so weird to me. Because the main reason I'm... I'm like hearing you guys say this back to me. And I'm also thinking like, yeah, but that's things that I enjoy. The freedom to choose or... I like the ability or, you know, blah, 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 this or that. And I know why suddenly why... Sorry, I'm saying why too much. I know the reason this feels off to me. And that's because when I'm touted to D&D, it's always the party. It's always the group. But the moment you go into the mechanics or the setting, it's not really about that. It's about the individual. So it's almost a betrayal of my expectations. Because I really, uh, uh, sorry about that. As I was saying, because of that expectation and the community that's always talking about how much it is relevant to be part of the party, and then we don't see any mechanics really boosting that or clarifying that, it doesn't feel great. Like, there are games that you don't play as a party, and that's fine because the mechanics and the system and the expectations going on or going in are that. But for D&D, it's always talking about, oh, the party is doing this or you and your friends are doing that. 
and it's just kind of assumed, and I kind of feel like it's actually assumed even in the mechanics, that there isn't a reason for these mechanics because the players and the GM are supposed to be filling it in themselves. So, I obviously... Lord Vomit. People have learned to adapt and change, uh, like, just keep the game going under that assumption. And it really hasn't become a problem where it's like nobody understands the party dynamic. Although I will say that that is, you know, everybody hates the whole, oh, you guys just meet up together in a bar. Like, nobody uses those old fucking um, tropes anymore because they got so played out. Right? And now everybody's trying to come up with inventive ways to put their party together. I think... You can't even subvert them anymore. Even if you subvert that old trope, it just... It still ends up being bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's how outplayed it is. So, the question for me becomes... How easy would it be to ignore the... Ignore that and, and, and set them up as not a party? Honestly, I think it would be rather difficult. I... Because... uh, Do you want... I can let you go if you want. Okay, sorry. I think it would be rather difficult because... Even though there aren't any mechanics or rules set up for it... A lot of the abilities of a player are very direct and very finite. In certain ways, you know... You get your abilities, and then those are what, that's what you can do with it. So you kind of need your other party members to complement where you don't have access to certain skills. So you can't just have a bunch of people running about a city like we were originally talking about separate like you can in certain other systems. Because unless they're thieves, they're not usually going to have the full skill set to be able to do things. Maybe if you gave each of them, like, a single uh, NPC partner to work with so that everyone always had a buddy cop stick going on, that would work pretty well. But you'd have to either play a low magic system for fighters and other types or a high magic system where they can always have reliant magical items to cover up for those pitfalls, you know? I think there's a potential for adding mechanics to 5e to make it work similar to the other games that we've mentioned. You could port over some mechanics that help what you're talking about, Jared, allowing individual characters to go off and find their own narrative. And when the time comes, they come back together and they work as a group. Similar to what Jason has done in his Urban Shadows game, which is a... Uh, powered by the Apocalypse game that encourages some independent play. But at the same time, if the story is good enough and it ties enough of the players together, it can pull them together. And you could use that same kind of mechanic in D&D, but you're adding to uh, D&D's mechanics. I think our struggle is that we're looking for something inside that system. And I 
I don't believe that in 5e that it currently exists. I think it has to come from outside or from a very strong GM who's put together a really strong setting that encourages those things. But mechanic-wise, I, I, I think we're lacking in that area. Should we take a moment to clear up the whole... When we're talking a lot of times about D&D, we're talking about the rules as written in the book. We're not talking about all those rules that say, hey, change these rules or add new things. If you're able to change everything, then yeah, you can make any of this work. But we're trying to address the books themselves, I suppose. Yeah, and I think, you know, what Michael is talking about with the ability to bring in stuff from other games, it allows you to have an understanding of how that mechanic works enough to bring it into D and D and make that adaptation rather than having to change D and D's rules. You can just adapt a new one into there and sort of work with it going forward with, uh, with an understanding of that rule rather than adding something new that is entirely new or, it's a little more fresh in your brain. It's a little more uh, play-tested, I guess. Um, it's more easy to digest. Yeah. Both for you and the system. Yeah, and for me, I think the goal of this part of our podcast has been to search for those those answers. To find a way to make this game work on the level that we enjoy, which is telling a story and the players creating a shared narrative it works together. There are some options. Um, D&D is encouraged to homebrew. You're encouraged to come up with new rules. You're encouraged to change the rules. But at the heart of it, do you want to change too much or will it become a, a different game entirely? Or would it be easier to just run it in something else? Uh, I, I know Jason and I have had this conversation many times about, well, we need a fantasy game that works inside a, a system that we enjoy playing in. <laughs> you know, we need a fantasy game that run, that we could run in Blades in the Dark or uh, something like uh, Powered by the Apocalypse or, or, or one of the more narrative-based games. If that's what you're looking for and you you want to run a fantasy game, do it. Um, so what is it that keeps us coming back to 5e? It's obviously not a mechanic that holds the party together for a mechanical reason. Yeah, I feel like it's really just the most defined fantasy game out there. So setting, I think, is where D&D's bread and butter is. Like, they have their setting down well. But they have yet to learn to master mechanics into that setting. And and I think that that is... If you have ever watched any of the Critical Role storylines, Matt Mercer or whoever's running it, that's what they're creating with their story. They're not depending on a mechanic to come up with that. They are creating that themselves. They're brewing it right at the table or beforehand. And it, it creates a, a different type of game 
that a lot of people are trying to achieve through D&D's rules. It's, and that's not where it comes from. Those storylines and those narratives that the Critical Role and Acquisitions Incorporated come up with, those are things that are homebrewed or inspired by the moment through the GM's story. So I guess I'm hearing a lot of homebrew. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Like, I guess my, my question would just be, you know, I mean, obviously in this like hobby that we've chosen, there is a lot of people that are capable of doing, uh, there's a lot of people who are capable of coming up with stuff on their own and they're intelligent enough to make this stuff work. Um, but for those who may not have an understanding of it coming in and, and need to work towards home brewing, um, is there any insight that we can provide for those guys? Do you think? Oh yeah. Experience. <laughs> what did you say? Experience. Experience. <laughs> My nephew recently came to me asking a number of questions that are are very similar to this, and unfortunately what I basically had to tell him was, it's just going to take time. I mean, you can play the game by yourself, like I did. You can find some uh, friends to play here and there, or you can uh, run combats and just do arena fights for people on one-off sessions, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, the biggest thing that I can find is experience to answer this question. Hmm. Which, to me, sucks because I think experience is the worst answer to most things. <laughs> now, well, while I agree with it, what you said, Jared, I think there's one extra element that can be provided by a game that's supported as much as 5e is. There are some really good third-party accessories to this game that can provide homebrews, they can provide settings, they can, they can add to the game and help with the idea of creating a shared narrative with the characters. That added to experience can help any GM, but they have to go out and find it. They're not really going to find it in the core book. You're not even going to find it in the DMG. You're, you're going to be looking outside. And, and that's kind of the point that I keep pushing towards is look outside or trust yourself on, on what you can come up with at the table. Uh, those are, those are the first things I would say as to help a new GM get into the groove and help keep the party together and working together. You can, you can also, you know, come up with your own mechanics, but you know, that, that goes back to homebrewing some, some rules. I think, um, I think that's great. I think what you said is, is totally valid and Jared too. I mean, I say that a lot. I say, you know, just, Go out and do it. I hate it. And get the experience. It's a cop-out answer. Just, I hate it. like, do it. Just do it, and then you'll learn. But I think 
Michael's absolutely right too in that um, there is, especially nowadays, there is a ton of material that can give you good insight into, you know, what you can use. But I think the other element that you, um, that we can add to this is talk to your players, use style, tone, mood, you know, get an understanding of how they want the game to be what their expectations are for the game that's going to be played and use that to then tool the game to those types of um, experiences that they're looking for. Um, Because if you're just trying to add things to change the game to the way you want to run it, you may end up with a game that nobody at the table is enjoying. So if you take the time to have that discussion with your players ahead of time before you make these alterations, you're going to get a good insight into what types of changes you're looking to make. I love that answer, and it it beats a lot of things. However, in the case of individuals, much like my nephew, who if he asked the family how do you want to play this game? And all of us responded with, eh, you're doing good. Well, I'm enjoying the game. You know, just the nonsense level of feedback that default humans give. Yeah. <laughs> Go so, ahead. Okay. Okay. I get what you're saying. And that's why when I introduce my stuff as like, what style of game do you guys want to play? I give you, here's four options or three options. Pick one of those. That's what we're going with. You know, that's what I did with Urban Shadows, and that's what I did from uh, Tales from the Loop, is I gave you options on, okay, here's what your options are of the kind of game that we can play. What do you... If you give them a few options, you're at least getting some sort of feedback rather than just... And I get what you're saying, because, yeah, if you just leave it open, they're just going to bullshit you. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Default human. Um... Michael, did you have something to add to that? It looked like you did for a moment. No, if somebody answered me like that, I would shoot him in the face. But I didn't want to. I didn't <laughs> oh, okay. want to say that on the radio. Okay, I'll make sure not to give you that answer. Um. So, and I know this is a, you know, we're only, not even thirty minutes into this, but seeing as this is our quest begins exit. I would love to just hear your guys' plans for the future for 5e if you have any. Well, it seems like I'm going to be going first. So, uh, my future is to play in other people's games and continue to run a 5e game for my family, which is a kind of base builder apocalypse game set where... Um, I don't know if either of you have ever read it, but there's a series called The Prince of Thorns, King of Thorns, Emperor of Thorns. Uh, I can't think of the author offhand. Really grim dark story. Don't read it unless you're prepared for some nasty things. But there's a really interesting concept in that book that I really enjoy. And that is that after an apocalypse happened to modern world, a lot of fantasy and... Uh, reality warping material comes in and in doing so I've modeled the uh, my D&D game loosely after that so I've taken basically the thought of just about anything that the players can think of can be involved in the world which is a very dangerous and extremely homebrew thing to do 
especially when you're playing with people who are 13. <laughs> so, um, I've been trying to moderate that and uh, do a good job of keeping everyone interested because some of them have very varied play styles, like one of them really enjoys uh, the fauna and flora and engaging with the wildlife, another one enjoys the base building and building up the settlement, and the last one just pretty much enjoys fighting. But, you know, that's basically where I'm going every time I think of 5e. Cool. Cool. Michael? <clears throat> well, 5e for me is something that I, I want to achieve the ability to run it someday. I have attempted a few times, but something always distracts me. Something that would be far more interesting to the players because I, you know, have a lot of passion in it. But being an old school gamer, I really like some of the settings that I've come across in, in my time. I really enjoy some of the published settings that are out there, with the exception of Spelljammer. <laughs> I feel wow. like I could take one of those and and read through it maybe do a, a five or six session game. Uh, recently, I, I put up some options on our Discord uh, to see if I could get any players uh, for five or six different ideas I had. And my D&D &D idea uh, did not really get any response, uh, which was fine because I would didn't really want to run it up front anyway. It was like my third choice. But I thought what I had in mind was going to try to work with some of the ideas that we've been talking about tonight of now we've experienced all of these narrative style games. I would really like to try my hand at it and see if I could get 5e to actually be a narrative style game and bring in some of those ideas and port them over and construct this kind of Frankenstein D&D &D game that might actually have an opportunity to entertain the players and entertain me. So in the near future, I imagine I'll run a short little few, few sessions to try that idea. Um, I do have a question. Like what setting were you looking to run the D and D in? I believe I was going to try to do a uh, planescape, but, okay. uh, I did that mostly because I like to fall back to the idea that you can put them in the city that's in Planescape without ha them having to worry about the rest of it um, because it's huge. I mean, the, the outer planes are just overwhelming sometimes. But if you keep them kind of trapped in a can, you can do a lot of things with them. But it's similar to keeping them in a city in, in any D&D &D game. You're making them get involved in the politics or the culture or, you know, how many thieves' gills there are in the city. Different things like that. Um, you're not sending them through a lot of dungeons and wilderness travel. Right. And the, that's the reason I asked because I figured it was Planescape because I know that's ultimately, like, your goal is to get us to play in Planescape. I mean, you've been talking about it for a long time. So I figured that's what it would be. 
Yeah, and and it offers so many options outside of just the standard D and D Forgotten Realms uh, setting. It allows you to actually explore all of them because you have pathways to go into any world that you want. Um, I got really excited when Wizards of the Coast said they were going to do a multiverse book, and then they came out with Spelljammer, and I've yet to figure out why. Because uh, <laughs> Spelljammer had like five, six books that people bought, whereas Planescape had a vast amount of books. Go figure. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, shoot. Oh, well, uh, what I was going to say is if they do get super involved in the multiverse, it might start piquing people more people's interest in a Planescape style setting. Um, but I mean, I see that as something down the road. I, and they have hinted of going to the city in Planescape, which is called Sigil. It's the city of doors. And they've hinted at it. And they even hinted in the uh, most recent multiverse monsters of the multiverse. There's a couple of monsters in there that actually the description talks about the city of doors. So, it's in their head. It's just kind of disappointed they didn't try to do it this year. Yeah, they'll probably introduce it slowly. Yeah, when they when they start thinking about changing the edition. <laughs> yeah, so um, I know uh, you guys are going to be not surprised at all what I'm going to say because I just you know showed you the books that I just picked up for this, but. Um, I uh, picked up Eberron and I picked up um, the Ravnica book, you know, uh, Magic the Gathering um, style setting. And um, just getting those books together, I really realized how, how easy they would be to kind of combine the material and decide, you know, if there's something I want to use where, you know, Eberron has... Um, sort of these major houses that gained power through the use of these marks and these marks sort of give you these special abilities. And I, one thing I love out of it is that it has like, um, they've sort of built these houses are equivalent to what would be the corporations in a cyberpunk game. Um, because they get to charge for that specific type of, of goods and service and so it makes them powerful because they're the ones that you go to and so for me i'm gonna take the ebron setting and make it very uh cyberpunk style uh i might even just call it marker punk when i try and uh you know sell it as the buy-in um but yeah it's um i, I definitely want to try and include some of those guilds from the Ravnica setting. Um, but I have yet to figure out exactly how I want to do that, but I'm continuing to read through the books, but that's where, that's where my mindset for five E going forward is, is definitely, uh, an Eberron setting, um, in this city. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to leave it up to the players as to exactly how they want to go about it, but I'm definitely going to sell it. High level. Yeah. 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 Well, it's going to be definitely a higher level because they'll exist in the middle level of the city. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, seven uh, is probably where I started out at. But um, 
just because it's a new setting and everything. Uh, I want. I don't want to. Fine. Yeah, I don't want to start it out too high. Um, but I think not level eleven. Se- yet. Seven is fair for like middle level. Like it's entry level for the mid level. You know what I mean? So it's still sort of a gain your bearings in that area, and then it'll probably progress through the first two pretty quickly. But we'll see. I don't know. I can't wait to play a seventh level bard. <laughs> Get out. Uh, oh man, that's good. You couldn't have set me up any better. I it it could be a warforged that has like the dipples for a steel drum, so you just play yourself. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Oh. Anyway, so yeah, uh that's that's my uh that's my near future stuff that I want to do. I have I really well go ahead. Go I ahead. have a I mean, this is a Kickstarter I bought uh, I bought into a couple years ago and it's just starting to come around and it's called Crystal Punk and it's a setting for 5e and it is kind of that cyberpunkish but it still has that magical element to it. I'm not suggesting that you put this in because I think what you're talking about is is right on. I I want to play in this Eberron slash Ravnica game now. But I'm <laughs> I'm also looking at you know Crystal Punk as something that I'll do some you know, somewhere down the road. And it's a five E setting, so um, that's in the works in the back of my head. Yeah, I'd love to take a look at it and just see if there's anything that I I just like to you know grab some stuff from everywhere and just you know include them and 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 get those you know really get the feel of running a cyberpunk game in a fantasy world just you know without computers I think you should definitely look into the crystal plunk then because I think you could pull a lot from that and mix it with the Eberron maybe even have the Eberron marks be some of the things that fuel certain crystals and stuff. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, Michael, did you want to give us a wrap-up on this? Yeah, we need to put a wrap on that egghead. Um, hey. So hopefully everybody has kind of enjoyed Something. what we've put out so far on this topic of talking about 5e um, and we're going to step away from it and hopefully start discussing another topic which I think um, will build off of some games that we are going to be playing in the next few weeks and I really think that our audience is going to enjoy the discussions we have as we're playing these games Um, and I think that's because the three of us will be quite engaged in those games But what brings us back to the topic is that I'll be running the the next game that we're going to be kind of talking about, which is hopefully uh, another 5th edition game, Vampire 5th edition. And I think that one will allow us to talk about this topic in comparison to that one, where you are... um, kind of without a, a, a mechanic to help draw you together, except for, of course, 
your vampires, your horrible creatures of the night. And so we'll be able to talk again about uh, mechanics pulling people together in order to help play with the story and allow the players to actually create their own narrative and make sure that as a group, as a team or a, a coterie or or even just a bunch of vampires allied together in the moment to f- to take on some element of darkness and help all of them create a shared narrative. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, 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 I mean, my favorite part of that was when you uh, <clears throat> hinted that we weren't as uh, interested in D&D. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we enjoy World of Darkness because of that ability to not only be an individual, but you can at times work it out inside the story or your narrative to get somebody inside and, and owe you a debt or you owe them a debt to help you out with something. It makes it more personal and brings people together because of those those ties that you've created rather than a mechanic creating it for you. I like Vampire the Masquerade mainly because it allows me to be very contrarian. Oh, I, I forgot to tell you, I'm adding a new rule. Um, every Wait, time what? that you are contrarian as a vampire, you're going to have a psychosis that'll pop up and you'll go into a frenzy. If And if you do it all the time, then you'll probably kill somebody or get yourself killed. That's just a new house rule I'm throwing out there. Yeah, I'm fine That's with that. a good one. Yep, I agree. Um, how many characters should I go make up? At least because- five. For the first, for the first session, Uh, the first session. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll play test it and see how the rule goes. You're going to last about five minutes. All right. All right. You. Thanks for uh, giving me the pat on the back for that. I didn't think I would last that long. So, um, (laughs) uh, thank you, everyone. (laughs) Goodness. Thank you. Everyone, for listening to our final episode of The Quest Begins. Maybe next season we will uh, touch back in on some more D&D stuff after we've had a chance to um, really run through some of the stuff that we just talked about. But until then, thank you for listening. Oh, wait, hold on. Stop. Until then, go check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash 7th level bardcast and thank you to those who have backed us so far Flump Pucker Robert K and Tarpan Caravan have a great night this has been Jason this has been Michael and this has been Jared bye bye this has been a production of 7th level bardcast copyright 2021 Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to 7th Level Bardcast. You can find links to previous shows, resources, and our social media at 7thLevelBardcast.com. Also, connect with us through our Discord link on the website. We invite our audience to offer feedback, suggest a topic, or for a quick conversation. To support the show, 
like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcatcher. Music provided by Alexander Nakarada.